Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. I'm David Lally, producer of the show. We're joined in studio today by a live audience of some of our staff who have brought their questions and their energy. <laughs> nice to have you guys here. Nice. So we broadcast this show from our studio to 165 countries and we're heard by a quarter of a million people every single month. And hello, Facebook Live. We'll take some of your questions too as we record, so feel free to add them in the comments section. Today's Town Hall podcast is all about personal growth and development. We're about to hear from a man I've known for 20 years, and the truth is this is my favorite setting to hear him bring clarity and insight to the difficult questions we all face. So won't you please welcome the man himself, Brian Buffini. Yeah. All right, boss, I'm up first. We got a ton of questions. I'm an immigrant myself. I arrived into this country knowing nobody, having very little money in my pocket too, but I know where you come from. I've been to your house at home. Uh, humble means. <laughs> I know where you live. Uh-huh. <laughs> we keep an eye on it. And over the years, I've often sat opposite you on the company jet. I've looked across you and I thought, I wonder does he think all of this is in any way strange? Hmm. Yes, it's all strange. Do you want a deeper answer than that? Deeper answer. Looking yeah. for a bit more. Well, it's all strange. You know, it's funny. You know, my uh, cousin is, you know, a young lad who just came over here, early 20s. He's a brand new immigrant. And, you know, everything's strange. Everything's strange. The language is strange. The culture is strange. The food is strange. The people are definitely strange. California takes the cake on that. <laughs> the dynamic is, I think, you know, as far as perspective, I typically don't take stock probably as well as I should, or maybe I take stock occasionally. Hmm. But you probably, uh, like something like an experience like that, like we flew all over the country in our own plane for 17 or 18 years, and then when I stopped traveling, we sold the plane, and then you go, man, that was kind of amazing. And <laughs> I, you know, I thought about it last week because I took a commercial flight across the country, and I really thought, wow, that was amazing we had a jet after getting groped by the TSA agent. So... <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a neat deal. I think it's beautiful to just kind of go all in, pursue your dreams, and the next thing you know, you wake up one day and people are saying, man, you're an amazing success. And I guess the encouragement for everybody in that is that nobody feels like they are. And a lot of people will ask me questions as a guy who's arrived. That's really the question. You know, people say, you know, now that you're here and now that you're there and whatever else. And the thing is, the only place I ever want to arrive is heaven. You know what I mean? You know, that balance between striving and contentment and doing what you do. The truth of the matter is our studio audience, so many people listening today, if they were to make a list of all the blessings in their life, the things that are going right in their life, the place they live, the food they eat, the home they have, the place they have, the car they drive, the clothes they have, then they'd go, you know, things are pretty good. And you wouldn't know that until you go and get exposed to people who don't have any of the things you have. But I don't think it's the things you have that are really where it's at. I think it's what you're becoming. And that's kind of why I'm excited today to talk about personal growth and development. The journey. Because if you grow yourself enough, eventually other people will say things to you and you go, oh, really? But I think the big thing is to make sure that the things you own never own you. Nice. And that you don't get so caught up in the destination that you miss your destiny. How about that for a start? Yeah, that'll do. That's nice. So we have a ton of questions that were sent in by, we can't have all the staff here today, but we have 50 or 60 of, of you guys here. This question is on a topic that I've seen you teach on many times, and I feel like this is a sweet spot for you. As a young professional, how can I set myself up financially for the future? So typically, like I said, we get those questions. Like that's great. Like we'll have folks in here today that can ask a couple of follow-up questions. So I'm not just the Karnak, and we tell you everything you need to know about your life from an anonymous question. So we have a 12-foot fountain outside the building when the employees come to work every day. And it's to remind us all of a thing called sequence and stability, success, and significance. The idea of that was when Lou Holtz brought me over to Notre Dame and they had a sign before you go on the field and all the players tap it, and it says, play like a champion today, because he wants them to think like that every time they go play. And for me, for myself and for the staff, I want to walk by that fountain and not just see this pretty fountain, but remind ourselves that there's a sequence to success mm. and that the caterpillar doesn't turn into a butterfly. If you ask people, do caterpillars turn into a butterfly? People say yes, but it's not true. A caterpillar turns into a pupae, and the pupae turns into a chrysalis, and the chrysalis turns into the butterfly. Now, in our culture today, we want it all, and we want it all now, and we want it instant, and we want it click, or we want it three payments in 1995, right? 
Instant health, instant wealth, instant happiness, instant marriage. Instant marriage often leads to quickie divorce. Those two things do go together. Um, I thought that was funnier. You laugh much better at the studio when it's just the two. You give me the boss laugh. You go, ha, 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 ha. That was great, you know? That's good. We'll have to, you have to I'm teach on camera them. now. I you need to do. mentor them, you know? But anyway, I thought that was funny. I was enjoying that one. So what's my advice for a young professional? Work hard. Work on yourself. Grow yourself. As your skills grow, your compensation will grow. As your compensation grows, keep your expenses low. Save your money. Then invest your money. But a portion of all you earn is yours to keep, and a portion of all you earn is yours to invest back into yourself. Hmm. And so when Jim Rohn told me when I was 19 years of age when I met Jim Rohn, and I met him because I stood in line for an hour and a half to have him sign a book at a seminar. And he said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job, and you go from making a living to making a fortune. And I thought I knew what he meant at the time, but I didn't really understand it. didn't understand it for a long time, what it meant to go to work on myself. So the thing about it is, is that, like inside our company, we're always watching to see who's developing themselves. Because, okay, that person's growing. Mm. And as our company grows, now how can we match up that growing person with this growing opportunity? When people are growing, other people notice it. You know, we're looking for staff all the time. Everywhere I go, every hour of every day, I'm interviewing people to come work up a Phoenix. You've seen me do it. Every waiter, waitress. Every waiter, every waitress, every kid that's at a <laughs> Jamba Juice, yeah. at Starbucks, drivers and cars, contractors, you name it, salespeople I encounter. And most of them don't know they're being interviewed, and most of them fail the interview miserably. Because mm. they're not enjoying the job they have. They're not thankful for the job they have. They're not given good energy, and so they fail the test. And the number of people that don't know, I walked up to them and I was looking in their eye and I'm going, hmm, I could take you. There's Veronica right there. I can get your information to Veronica. Veronica gets these calls all the time, right, Veronica? It's like, okay, she's like another one. Well, we've hired a few of those other ones, haven't we? And they've been real champs and been real stars. So mm-hmm. I just think you've got to bring the good energy all the time. You've got to keep growing yourself all the time. And if you grow yourself, your opportunities will grow. And... That is natural because it becomes something everybody sees. Nice. And so when your opportunity grows, then your income can grow. And if your expenses don't grow at the same speed, then your finances can grow. So that would be my advice for, for anyone. The young professional part, I would say, is that time is on your hands right. and that the magic of compounding is in your favor. I have a follow-up finance question, but does anyone in the audience here have a question as it relates to what he said there? Any Facebook no. questions there? Yes, I have one from our Facebook Live audience. Molly Cole asks, for us new realtors with not a lot of money coming in, what do you think is the best investment? So, Molly, wherever Molly's from, this is not an untypical situation, Molly. A, I'm a realtor, and B, I don't have any money. That's kind of our standard client. And so the most important thing, Molly, for you and for people who've been in the business 20 years is you've got to generate some leads. Because if you get some leads, you can make some sales. And if you make some sales, you can make some money. It's as simple as that. So don't buy a new computer. Don't lease a new car. Don't buy office furniture. You need to invest in things that are going to generate leads. Now, we've made lead generation extraordinarily affordable. And that's one of the reasons we keep it affordable. Because people like you get into the business all the time. So parcel notes don't take a lot. Taking someone for a coffee doesn't take a lot. $20 a month CRM doesn't cost a lot. A kit that's 120 bucks a month that gives you all your marketing for all your lead generation. That doesn't cost much. If you cut out a Starbucks a day, you can afford that. And so that's what it is. So people say, I don't have a lot of money. And they're like, what do you spend your money on? So I can't afford your lead generation kit. Cut cable. Cancel your internet. Downgrade your phone plan. Sell the dog. See? Did you guys ever hear of Sylvester Stallone? He was so broke, he was forced to sell his dog, okay? Because he was betting on himself. And then he got offered $100,000 a year later for a script, and he wouldn't give it to him. Then they upped it to 300000 and he wouldn't take it. This is a guy a year before to sell his dog, because they said, we'll give you three hundred grand if you sell us the rights to Rocky, but you can't be in it because you can't act. We actually can't understand what you say. And they still can't understand what he says. <laughs> but he bet on himself. He invested in himself. He trusted himself. And I think the movie's made over, I don't know how many billions, 
the series has made. But he trusted himself. And so that's the deal. And so you were to say, you're not Rocky. Now, just so you know, happy ending. See, I always bring it back. In the movie Rocky Balboa, there's a dog named Brutus in the movie that he runs up the steps with. After he made a bunch of money, he went back and bought his dog. Now, the guy charged him a fortune for it. But that dog that's in the movie, the big dog, Brutus, is his original dog he sold. And that's what I found. You know, that's what I found. I didn't have the fancy car. I didn't have a lot of stuff. I invested in lead generation. And when I made a bunch of sales, then I got some of the nicer things. But I was always, my lifestyle's always been behind my earnings. And my focus is always on lead generation, as it is today. As it is today. I'm 33 years in business, and I'm still in the lead generation business today. So that would be my advice for you, Molly. I like that. On the topic of the fountain and the sequence to success and significance and everything for us that are a little bit older professionals, what would you recommend Like, if you feel like you've gotten to a certain point but need to get past some barriers or something to get to the next point? Right. So for the ones that are not 25, perhaps. I've mentioned this story before, but it's very, very profound in my life experience, which is myself and a bunch of kids from school. We had a great physics teacher. And every year he'd take a bunch of rowdy kids from a Catholic school on a trip somewhere in the world. And we all had to work in a job. So I worked in a bar when I was 14 years old, because you can do that in Ireland, and saved up the money and went to Italy. I was 15 when I went. And we're going around, we're doing all these things, and we're having to go to all these art places and abbeys and cathedrals and I wasn't particularly interested in any of that I wasn't particularly religiously involved at that time but I went into St. Paul's Cathedral and back in those days there was no glass wall in front of this but there was a statue there called a Pieta and it's an image of Mary holding the dead body of Jesus and it's in this white marble and myself and a bunch of rowdy kids were like what are we doing here and where are the girls you know And all of a sudden, we walk up to the front of St. Paul's Cathedral, and there was silence. And I remember standing in front of that thing. I don't know how long. It could have been five minutes. could have been three hours. But I was mesmerized by every detail of this 12-foot sculpture because it looked like it was living and breathing. It was the most amazing thing. And I was not an art appreciator. My dad used to say a joke, you know, he said, Michelangelo took five years to paint the Sistine Chapel, Buffini and Company painting would have done it in five minutes, you know, with a roller, right? So kind of no art appreciation, no religious appreciation, but I saw a masterpiece and it had a profound impact on me. And Michelangelo sculpted that when he was 24. Now, if you go to the Brian Buffini studio, there's a brass plate behind my desk, and you guys know, right? You've heard this before. Ancoro Imparo, right? And I'm still learning. He was in his late 70s when he made that statement. And in fact, late in his 70s, he tried to do another version of the Pieta. So the thing is, we've had clients like an Arlene Holt who started in our coaching program at 80, who at 94 had our best year ever. Think about that. And caro imparo. The thing is, is that, you know, our average client is in our 50s when we meet them. And we're often having to turn bad things around, get them out of bad situations, get them out of debt, and start over. In a lot of cases. Not all the time. But in a lot of cases. And the truth of the matter is, most people, what happens is we get totally frustrated because we overestimate what we can do in a year, but radically underestimate what we can do in a decade. And a decade's a long time. And an awful lot can happen in a decade. And there's a couple of compounding cycles inside a decade. And so for a young person, they have many decades for those compounding on top of compounding on top of compounding. Here's the great news. For those of us who have a little snow on the roof, shall we say, been around the block a few times, we have a lot of experience. And experience means sometimes you get a lot of what you don't want. So now guess what? I had a business opportunity arise the other day. It was a fantastic presentation, and I really thought about it and really thought about it. And as I really examined the business opportunity, I recognized why I was attracted to it. I recognized the flaws in it because I had made that same mistake 25 years ago. So I didn't run down the wrong rabbit trail with this business opportunity because I had that experience. Make sense? So now you have experience. So you have some wisdom. You have some challenges you've fought through. So now you know what not to make. So when you get a little older, here's the thing. There's less room for error. There's still room for error. There's just less. 
and you can't be compounding your mistakes. So that's the deal. And, you know, you're still a young woman and you still have a lot of life in front of you. You still have a lot of compounding cycles in front of you. Your story is not only not finished, your story may have only just begun. And that's the way to view it. You have a lot of experience. You've got a lot of wisdom, great attitude, great energy. And now it's time to put that to work and towards the life you want. And you can do it, Charlie Brown. Right? Nice. You know, this is an interesting company to work for where we're surrounded by kind of the positive motivation. It's not typical. And, you know, we're lucky to get that on a daily basis. Uh, we had one question come in. What advice do you have for getting family members on board with setting goals? Just go home. That's from everyone. Shake your workbook in their face and tell them, this Good. is what you need to do. <laughs> I used to say at the seminar, I'd give a warning because people would get so jacked up. They've written goals and all this type of stuff and whatever else. And I would say, people come home with their workbook like Moses coming down the mountain. <laughs> and their face is shining. There. There's going to be a lot of changes from now on. I have seen the light and I have seen the problem. And you are the problem, right? So... I believe this. I believe, for example, with my kids, I've always said my kids don't listen to what I say. First, they're too busy watching what I do. And if they watch what I do, then they'll listen to what I say. Mm. If what I do matches up with what I say, now I have influence. You follow? Mm. And so I had one of the greatest days of my life yesterday. My 21-year-old is at college, and in the middle of a day, an opportunity came up that had some challenges to it. And in the middle of the day, he called me. I was in a business meeting. And I don't uh, have my phones. Typically, I won't interrupt a meeting or whatever else. But if it's Bev or the kids, I don't care who I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of an awesome conversation where this young man trusted his dad enough to talk about an opportunity that, as it turned out, we had a conversation then. He came home last night from college, and we talked for a couple hours. And he just texted me this morning and said, Dad, it's something he was really going to do. said, uh, I've decided not to do it. I'm going to look for a different opportunity. That's awesome. You know, that took 20 years to get to that spot. Mm -hmm. So I think this. You go set a goal, share it with your loved one, and then go reach the goal. Oh, I know you wanted better advice than that. <laughs> set a goal, put it on your bathroom mirror, say this is the goal I'm pursuing, and then go reach that goal. Then do it again. And then... When the time is right, maybe there's a time to share some information. Maybe they're, hey, you know what? You know, if you have a conversation, an opportunity comes up, check out this podcast episode. You know, we have a lot of episodes on a lot of things. And the next thing you know. And by the way, it's different. So I'll tell a story a little out of school here a little bit. For almost 10 years at the company, my assistant was Becky. And Becky was a gal that was anti-goal setting when I met her. She was a tough Pennsylvania chick. And... She wasn't open to it and this and any other, but, you know, resistance is futile. And so the charm offensive all over time. And it took me a while, it took me a while, but eventually you're in this environment. Buffini Company, she's coming to me with events. People are saying their lives have changed and this and any other. So eventually she wrote some goals. And then they became big goals and transformative goals. And for years she kept saying, oh, I need to get my husband J.D. on this. And I said, let him get it in his own way. He's going to have a different approach to this. Mm. You want him to get this the way you want him to get it. And so he's around it and around it. So he starts asking some questions. Next thing you know, I'll recommend a little book. Back then, it was a tape program. And then one day, he sets a set of goals. Well, here, here's what happened. He took off. He took off and then some. He took off and then some to the point it destabilized her. Because she was the one comfortable kind of leading the charge on the goal setting. And now, all of a sudden... He's doing this his own way and being very effective with it, coming at it from a totally different approach because opposites attract. And now her little world got rocked that ended up being eventually, and again, a little rockiness for a while, their new goal comes together, transformative goal, and that's why she retired and left me. <laughs> you know? But what a neat deal. And they travel the world today. They have their real estate holdings. They've built a great life for themselves. She has goals. She gives back. She goes to hospice and sings to people in the last couple of days of their life. And she's become the sweetest little angel and all that stuff. So I would just say this. Go pursue the goals and be an example. There's too much talk. There's too much talk. Go on the Internet. You know, nobody asks anymore who's given this advice. You know, all the stuff on social media. And no one asks. Oh, what have you ever done? Mm. 
No, I wrote a book on giving you advice. But what did you do before that? Have you ever actually done anything? Have you ever actually succeeded in anything? I've been asked for years, can you do a family seminar? Could you do that? One day, I, I'll tell you, we will do it. And here's what the seminar will look like. Bev and I will come and do an open session and share our principles and values on how we raised our kids. We'll put our six kids on stage by the time they're fully grown, which they're almost there. And we'll sit them in front of an audience of 1,000 people and hand out mics to the audience and let them ask the kids questions. Mm. Because the proof's in the pudding. Are my kids perfect? No. Are they extraordinary? Yeah. And would I be comfortable putting them in front of 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 people in the audience and ask them how they are? Sure. And so the proof's in the pudding. That's real success Mm -hmm. when the proof is in the pudding. Don't be a talker. Be a doer. And when you're a doer, you get to be an influencer. And I will also tell you that there's people in my immediate family and extended family, people in my sphere of influence, whether it be at the schools or the churches or wherever I hang out, the clubs, It's always amazing to me the surprising people I've had access to and the people who took it on board instead of others. Great stuff, Brian. We have a question from our live audience. Hi, my name is Julia Coopin. I work in our accounting department here. My mom has actually been with the company for 10 years plus. And my question is kind of the opposite of the last question asked. So for the children who do have goals and whose parents come home from mastermind super amped up and we're going to set goals, everyone's going to set goals as a family. If you do listen to the podcast as a child of Buffini, kind of how can you set goals at such a young age or how can the parents influence them to set good goals for their future? Because for me, I struggled a lot in the business aspect because I wasn't in business yet. I didn't have career goals yet. So kind of what's your advice on that? Great. So here's the thing. I appreciate everybody's enthusiasm when they come to our events and set their goals, right? So somebody's got a sparklet and they were feeling down and depressed and now they got hope. And they want to share that with the people they love. So just sometimes they're clumsy. And uh, we've all been clumsy with people, right? We've all stepped on people's toes inadvertently. It just happens. You know, in today's world, everybody puts a name on that when we step on one another's toes. You're at this. We're all just a little clumsy. So what it takes is really working in the area of emotional intelligence. I have six kids. Two of them are twins. I want you to know I have six completely different approaches to the six kids. Does that make sense? And they're completely different. My twins are no more alike than the man on the moon. Okay? Now, I grew up in a family where you're all the same. My dad's goal was I'm going to treat you all the same. You're going to do the same rebels. And unintentionally, he didn't. Nobody was treated the same. But he tried to. You follow? And I understand what he's trying to do. So the key is, some people need a push. Some people need a pull. Some people are big picture people. Some people can think about tomorrow. Some people have to deal with things in the past so they can move forward. Some people need to know the how-tos before they can see what can be. And everybody's wired up a little different. That's why typically when you have an enigmatic bang-the-drum motivational speaker that gives a goal-setting section or whatever, they typically teach how to set goals the way they know how to do it and then beat on everybody to do it the same way. We have taught more people goal writing than anybody in the world. We've had more people physically write a goal with us during our events than anybody in the world. It was Zig Ziglar, six weeks before he died, said to me, Brian, it was his one regret. I wish I'd have done what you did. I have probably taught goal setting 30 different ways. And sometimes people are destabilized by that. No, I really like the way you did it before I just went, because I'm trying to reach everybody every possible way. Goal setting is very, very powerful. But you've got to have the grace and understanding of how people work, how people live. Some people write goals and they are an overnight giant success. Some people are the old Japanese bamboo tree. And you plant the seed and you water the seed and you fertilize the seed. And the true story of a Japanese bamboo tree, I show it at the new event, is it doesn't break ground for five years. Because it's putting down roots. And the next thing you know, it grows almost a meter a day. They've been known to grow 100 feet in 90 days. Because they're putting down roots. I know people like that. We've had a lot of clients like that. And I love those people because they were so faithful to not give up. And then you have other people who are like, if it doesn't happen this weekend, it's like magic beans. (laughs) I wrote my notes. Where's my jet? (laughs) You know? I wrote 25 notes. Buffini has a jet. Where's my jet? Okay? I think it's really about being gracious. So it's very important, and it's for everybody who's both proactively doing it, to be gracious. 
So the phrase has been around since St. Augustine. So it would have been the 6th century. He said, share the gospel at all times, but only use words if absolutely necessary. Share personal growth everywhere you go and only use words if absolutely necessary. So that's a longer answer, but this happened. We just had the San Diego Success Tour. And I told a story about how Beverly's had six Suburbans in a row, homeschool kids for 25 years. And now we're a year away from having an empty nest. The last two girls are going to college, play ball. And so here we are. And I wanted to shift her mindset. So I took her out on a date. She knows that like, hey, when it's not planned ahead of time, she could end up anywhere. Okay. When I date night ended up at the World Series in Kansas City one time. Right. So I, I like to show off. So <laughs> I'm going to buy her a car, but I want to get her a different kind of car. You know, because she's mom and she's always going and she's always serving and everything's about everyone else. And, da, 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 and she got the big banana Suburbans. And so I said, OK, and I take her to the Mercedes dealership, the largest Mercedes dealership in San Diego it is. And of course, she starts looking at the SUVs, which I knew was the process. And I let her go. And da, 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 da. So finally, I walk into the showroom and I come to this guy and I said, what's the best car in the showroom? What's the one you really don't want to sell because it's so nice? And he goes, well, that's the show car over there. That's the one I want. So come on over. Okay, Bev gets in. We take her for a drive. We do the whole thing. So anyway, she loves the car, loves everything about it. So one of the ways with my bride is because I want her to love everything about the car, I send her out to the car for the negotiation because I want her to love the process that's about to get a little sticky. (laughs) And about halfway through this negotiation process, the salesman's name is Al Khamed, and Al is from Saudi Arabia. And he's a top salesman for Mercedes in San Diego for years. And about halfway through the negotiation, he goes, what do you do? What do you do? And I said, well, I, I train salespeople and small business owners and a little bit of personal growth on the side and, and yada, yada. Next thing you know, he goes away. At the end of the negotiation, he comes back and he goes, you do events. I see you have an event. Would that be possible for me to attend? So here's the deal. Here's an experienced car salesman that spends a little bit of time with me. I never told him, you need to do this, Alan. Let me help you be a better salesman. And when I say this, you should say this. And let me tell you what I did when I was, nothing. I was just doing what I'm doing. And this guy goes, what do you do? Now that is the essence of what has become a very popular dynamic called the law of attraction. So the law of attraction is true. It's like many principles. It's just gotten abused and turned into this woo-woo garbage. And I don't mind saying it on microphone. There's a lot of books and stuff written about this. It's a total crap. If you sit in a closet, I'm just going to attract everything to myself. All you're going to attract is moths get fat and whiter than you already are. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's it. Get out in the sun. Do something, you know, for God's sake. But that's where it's, um, I'm attracting right now. No, you're just getting smellier. Okay? Take a shower. So go do. You have your principles. You have your values. You set your goals, you go pursue, you grow yourself. The more you grow yourself as a person, here's what happens. Genuinely, people who are truly growing become very attractive. The number one attraction that grows in a person is they become more humble, more gracious, and more sharing. Mm -hmm. You want to know what the law of attraction is about? That's what it's about. That's what's attractive. You become more humble, you become more gracious, more sharing. My wife walks into a room, she doesn't get herself at all. People are just, I put her out on stage once in a while. She'll come off stage. Oh, was that any good? I'm like, they're all filleted, Beverly. Mm. Why? And I said, just relax because who you are speaks louder than what you say. Mm. That's what this is all about. And that's why we grow. Not for power, not for money, whatever. Great. You do enough of it. Guess what? The market rewards you and you can buy the car you want. The market rewards you. You can get the house you want. The market rewards you because of how much you've grown yourself. If you're in sales, people will buy from you. People will refer you. People will tell their friends. Companies will promote you. Companies will recruit you. End of story. I'm talking about economics. There's far more important ways to grow than economics. Grow in your impact. Grow in your influence. The same conversation on the phone, two years from now you grow, is radically different outcome. Radically different outcome. The same interaction with somebody. People say, Brian, you're so lucky. Opportunities come to you all the time. I'm engaging with people all the time. I look people in the eye. I take an interest. I ask questions. I'm genuinely interested in people. I generally want to know if I can help. I want to know if I can serve. 
I would love to attend my own funeral. This just took a turn? No, but I mean, if I... <laughs> right? I would love to, like, sit incognito in the back of my own funeral. Uh-huh. Because I can't remember how many people I've blessed and served my whole life. Mm. And I say that not to self-aggrandize, because I've forgotten. Mm. And you've witnessed a lot of it. We do it behind the scenes and anonymously and whatever else. But it just, it's really good to be good to people. Yeah. And the more goodness you give, the more goodness you get. And I know that's contrary to the world we live in, which is dog eat dog, cut them off in the parking lot, cut them off on the freeway, tell them they're number one. <laughs> right? Dog eat dog, get yours while you can. Mm. That's the world we live in. And that is small-minded anti-growth. That is not humble. That's arrogant and proud. That's not gracious. It's self-consumed as our culture is becoming more self-consumed. And it's not giving, it's taking. And that's small living, and that's small taking, and that's small life, that's depression, that's frustration, that's anger, that's bitterness, that's separation, and all of these consequences that people are dealing with. And so what we're talking about is the good life, right? And the good life is, you know, my father used to say, give it out in slices, it comes back in love. So that was a long, long answer. But that was wow. a great question. Yeah. That was fantastic. Thanks. I, see um, that? That's the way you do well in life. You see? <laughs> great job, boss. You see, that's it. Have I told you how amazing you were? Just a moment ago. But Stand I never by. get tired of it. Stand darling. by. Yeah, I never get tired. <laughs> do we have any more questions from our live audience here? Hi, Courtney Klepsch, Director of Marketing, Content, and Communications. Wow, that's, do you have a business card big enough for that title? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so at the beginning of the session, you mentioned striving and contentment. Mm-hmm. And so my question to you is, how long do you stay in the stage of contentment before transitioning back to the stage of striving? Fantastic question. So they are not different stages. They can be different seasons. But the question is a great question. It resonated with everybody in this room and 99.99% of the people listening to this podcast. And here's where the gap is. It's still a statement of arriving. Like balance. People want to have balanced lives. Is that right? Because that's a statement of I've arrived. And I don't believe in things called balance. I believe in a thing called balancing. We're balancing right now. We had six kids, seven horses, 250 employees, and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay? A bunch of real estate, 11 other businesses, a lot going on. But we're in a different stage in life. We're rebalancing. There's a, I don't know if you've ever seen this exercise equipment. It's called a BOSU ball. It's like a beach ball, thicker beach ball, cut in half, and it's on a platform. And you stand on it. And the idea was to enact all the small muscles. And then sometimes you can do weights on it and whatever else. Well, you stand on the BOSU ball and your legs start shaking. And that is the perfect example of what success looks and feels like. It's the smaller muscles that are getting enacted. So there are seasons in your life where you're striving at a certain point. But talk about the person who strives their whole life. They spend the end of their life repairing, trying to regain their health, try to regain their relationships. I've had people say, look, I'm going to work like this for five years, and then I'm going to focus on my kids. And I go, you won't have any kids to focus on. Because real estate's an obsessive business. I'm going to focus on this, and then I'm going to pour myself into my marriage. There won't be one. So here's the dynamic. Contentment to me is an expression of the heart. Contentment is much more about joy than happiness. So I'm not always happy, but I always have joy. And one of the reasons is I have joy is because I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And sometimes I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the middle of a bloody recession. So at Buffini and Company, we, at one stage, we had 410 employees, and we went down to 112 employees. It was the most brutal experience of my work in life. I still had contentment. I still had joy, but I didn't have a lot of happiness at that time. So joy is knowing who you are, what you're doing, and who you're doing it for. And then you set some goals. Now, contentment comes. Now, this is a big one. And I may have never covered this before, so it's a great question. Discontent comes from when you reach your goals and you're still not happy. Discontent comes when you reach your goals and it's not enough. Now, I'm the guy that says you set a goal, you reach a goal. Hey, take time to set another one. But the bigger your goals become, the longer it takes to set the next goal. So when I was first starting out, I was broke as a rope and I was 
like most immigrants, I'm just scratching around trying to find a way. So the first time I set goals, I set 25 of them. I had 19 of them done in 90 days. I was up, running, that's a true story, fireball. And I got real good at goal setting. Then I got bigger goals and bigger goals. Well, eventually, I ended up in places of reaching goals that I never even thought I'd dream of. And then I got to a place where I had this wasteland for a season going, this goal that I thought was all that in a bag of chips. And this is why I can speak to you. Because I thought it was a destination. Once I get there, I'll be happy. Once I get there, I'll be good. Once we have this many clients, we'll be great. Once I have this much money, I'll be fine. Once I have this many buildings, I'll be fine. They asked John D. Rockefeller, the richest American who's ever lived, how much does it take for an American to be happy? And his answer was, just a little more than he has. So there's a natural discontent in all of us. So I think the real contentment is that my goals are really my goals. They align with my values. And it's what I really want to achieve. And I'm content in the pursuit of them. And I'm content in the outcome of them. And I'm content when I reach those goals to not become dissatisfied. Yeah, I paid off my debts, but I still own money on my house. Okay, great. You can say that, but have a little celebration party for yourself. You just paid off your credit cards. Make sense? So that's a deep one. I could do a whole seminar on that one. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who else? Next question. Tony Love, Master Trainer. My question is this. We write goals in the five areas of life. And you spoke about balancing. How do I maintain the balancing in all five areas at one time? Hmm. Okay. You'll hear when I'm answering somebody's question, you'll hear when I respond how I listen to somebody's question and that the words that somebody says are very important. Okay? And then this is why sometimes people think I undress them or I'm some kind of psychic healer or something like that. It's just I really listen. So the number one thing you said was maintain. You didn't even know you said it. And maintain means that's the position most people have. I just want to keep things kind of the way they are. I want them to be better, but the truth is I want them to stay the way they are. So here's the bad news first, and then I'll build you back up. (laughs) We live on a planet that spins. I know we don't think about that, but our planet spins. Check it out. The moon should be out tonight, and the sun should be up in the morning. The planet spins on an axis. By very nature, our planet moves. Life moves. We don't get to stay in one state. You know, the old phrase, you come into the world bald and naked, you leave bald and naked, kind of true to the most part. We change all the time. Our bodies change. Our lives change. The seasons of life change. Everything about us changes, but yet everything in a human being's emotional state is I want it to stay the same. No matter how bad it is, by the way. The term is called homeostasis. It's the dynamic in Shawshank Redemption where the the librarian, Brooks Hadlin, gets released from prison after 50 years and can't deal with his freedom to the point that he takes his own life because he was comfortable in jail with no freedom. Not that that was a good thing, it's just what he knew. Some people are in jail financially. Some people are in jail emotionally. Some people are in jail in their relationships. Some people are in jail in their business and career life. Because I want to maintain, I want to stay put. And so the brave thing here is to attack life and say, you don't want to maintain anything. I don't want to maintain anything. I want to grow everything. Now, in the five circles, we talk about spiritual, family, business, financial, personal personal, physical, and emotional well-being. There are different seasons of emphasis. So when I was just starting out, it was different circles. There was a season in my life. I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, but there was a season in my life that was the dominant thing. I was up one down, downside the other. Then I get married. Now all of a sudden, my bride, my relationship, whatever else, that was the season. Now I'm bringing all that spiritual background to that. Then we have kids. And kids say, did you pour yourself into your family? Nope. No, I poured myself into my business because at that stage I realized I got to feed these things. They eat all the time. (laughs) The house I'm living in is too small. The car I have doesn't fit them. Okay, I got to grow up here. So for a season, the season of emphasis was my business. Now, here's the thing. It's not either or, it's both and. Was I able to be a good husband and a good father at the same time? I think so. You know, was it always perfect? No. No. And I will say this, 
I will tell you in that every single area of my life, I have overdone it. And in every area of my life, I've underdone it. I don't think you know how much is too much until you overdo it. And I don't think you know how much is too little until you underdo it. So it's a series of re-correcting, 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 re-correcting. It's not maintaining, it's balancing. And you've heard me tell the story. I mean, Tony, you've been at the events. We've had all these famous astronauts from Neil Armstrong to uh, Jim Lovell. Gene Cernan was the last man on the moon. He flew on our plane. I've been enamored with it. But the one of the things that's exciting about the moon landings is that a rocket is off course 97% of the time. It's a series of tiny little readjustments all the time. Now, from the naked eye, if you've ever seen a, a rocket take off, it's and it looks like it's a straight line to the moon. That's how people view my success. That's how people view everyone else's success. Everyone but you is a straight line, and you're a squiggle. Is that right? Every, oh, my God, that guy never put a... Everything he touches turns to gold. Everything? Do you want the whole story? The reason why I have experiences is because of how many screw-ups I have. The reason I can give business advice... I started our book, Taking Care of Business, with my top 10 business blunders, is how I started the book. Here was the 10. I could have given more. <laughs> but I said, here's the 10 biggest clangers I've made in owning a business. And then I've recovered from that, become successful. And because of that, because of that, not in spite of it, because of those failures, now I have the credibility to actually help someone in their business. Does that make sense? So we are correcting and recorrecting all the time. So your five circles are your rocket. Those five circles are your rocket going to the moon. And it's a series of corrections and little corrections. And little... On occasion, it's a big correction. But for the most part, it's small, 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 small. Life's hard by the yards, it's inch by the inch. And if you make your focus small, things get big. So challenge you on that word maintain. Focus on the small adjustments. And then, you know, shoot for the moon. So we're going to take a, a bit of a different turn here. This is an interesting one because, again, you talked there about small changes, something I see you do every December is a spring cleaning in your life. You, you throw out a ton of stuff. I think people would be kind of maybe amused to see it in a way. Like you go in and there are boxes of stuff from that few days that you spend to set yourself up for the next right. year. You have a lot going on. I've seen you juggle a lot of stuff. And someone had an interesting question here about something you have talked about, which is fatigue. Hmm. So, again, before you get to that spring cleaning and, sure. and you kind of jettison all that's going on, or the stuff that you've taken care of at least, can you share more about dealing with adrenal fatigue sure. and changes you might have made in your drive toward personal growth? Yeah, changes I'm making. Mm -hmm. So, I'm a hard charger, and I get fired up. And so I would ultimately, especially doing the seminar business, so... I mean, it'd be hard for people who are newer to Buffini Company to even conceive how our organization was built. But basically, myself, my brother Kevin, fly to town, stuff is shipped via the train, because it was $7 a box, and we go into these train stations, and in the basement of these train stations in all these major cities is something that looks like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and you show in, and they have no idea what you have and where it is. Hey, just look around and find whatever you want type thing. And every city in America is like this. And then we'd load up an Astro van and we'd go do five days in a row of seminars, then fly the weekend to the next town and then do a two-day turning point, come home for two days and then go do five more days. So to start, we were on the road 23 days a month. Savage, very savage. First year doing seminars, I did 179 of them. Then I did 150 of them. And then I settled on 120. That's when I got the airplane. Because the airplane was not a good business decision. It was the right priority decision. Because something had to give. Instead of building more buildings and building more net worth, I had to buy an airplane. So that I could go to Houston in the morning and be home in the evening. When my uh, twins were born, the rest of the kids got chicken pox. Grandma and grandpa are in town. The babies can't come home. Beverly can't be with them. We have a gal helping out the house. I would fly up to San Francisco every morning, come home every afternoon, do the chicken box thing and the oatmeal bats, then get up the next morning at five, fly out, do the seminar, fly in right afterwards. I did that 10 days in a row. But the kids would wake up and dad was there putting oatmeal on their back or whatever else. And so same with, you know, sports and whatever else. So I ran hard. And again, I was on my third career when I started this business. I was 28 years of age. 
And you can get away with things at 28 that you can't get away at 48. I can speak autobiographically to that. Mm. And so eventually I would go through process where I would go until I'd crash. And I would go until I'd fry myself physically. Because I don't have a natural buffer. Strange word enough. My nickname in school. <laughs> but I don't have a natural buffer to say how much is too much. So how did I deal with this? I had to learn to use other energy sources other than force. Other than effort. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So and we all appreciate people who put in a lot of effort. So I had to learn, okay, this has to be done through more leverage. So, for example, I, the image that comes to my mind is my grandfather, Harry. You know, when he retired, he'd still tool around and help out with the job sites and the painting. And he had this big station wagon with a roof rack on it. And Harry was 79 years of age, and he'd still deliver the material to the job site. And he'd show up at the paint store, and he'd have a cigar, and he'd get all the paint, and he'd say to the fellas in the store, Hey there, young fella, would you mind giving me a hand out to the car? And he'd get the young guys to bring the heavy paint to the car. Then he'd have to get the ladders. Well, they're big, heavy ladders. And he developed a little thing. Before there were skateboards in Ireland, Harry Buffini had kind of a skateboard. And he built out these heavy wooden ladders. And he'd roll it on the skateboard. And he'd get it, and he'd lift it to the bumper. And he had these rollers put on the back of his roof rack. And he'd slide the big, heavy ladder up there with just one little push. And he'd show up at the job with the big, heavy ladders and all the paint gear and whatever else. And he'd deliver the stuff. Hey, lads, would you mind helping me unload? And... I realized that that says Harry Buffini at 79 was better at leveraging himself than I was. And so how do I find ways to leverage myself? The next thing is how do I do a much better job proactively of recovering? And because I don't naturally see that, I don't have a yellow light and I certainly don't have a red light. So I had to build systems for myself to do it. So you well know my schedule now. Jeanette is my assistant. Her main job is to protect me from my own company. Mm -hmm. Her second job is to protect me from myself. Because I have these days where I'm supposed to go do this and do that and have the workouts and I have the exercise. I'm supposed to get my shoulder worked on here, do some rehab, whatever else. And they're written into the calendar. And then all 14 departments of Buffini Company and all however mm-hmm. many tens of thousands of clients want a piece of me. And I go, I know, this person needs my help. This person, so I want to help them all. But, you know, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. And I would burn myself out trying to help people. So now, you know, Jeanette's number one job is to protect me from the company and protect me from myself. And so I have gaps now in my schedule so I can go hard and I rest more often. I go hard, I take a break. And I also learned that the whole world would still spin without me. No, it wouldn't. Well, your world wouldn't spin. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold out here. (laughs) So we're getting close to the end of our time here. I've got one more question for you, and this is from someone, again, on staff. When have you grown the most spiritually, and how did that come about? Well, I would say this. C.S. Lewis, famous writer, said, when you come to the end of yourself, God is there. And I think whenever a person comes to the end of themselves, that is typically when they're far more open to the things from above. We are human beings. We're very self-reliant which is a, a gift and a curse. We're very much in our head, so I need to be able to understand it. Faith and those things of the spirit require more than, you know, there's the head, hands, and the heart. So matters of the soul seem to be most affected when you have no answers hmm. and when things don't make sense and when there's suffering, when there's challenges. And that's not the only way. You know, there's people who are more spiritually in tune naturally, but I'd say Beverly's like that. But my humility has always been granted to me. It's never been volunteered. And uh, so I wouldn't say it's a specific instance. I can tell you there's been many times in my life I've been brought to the end of myself. And that's where I first found God. or That's where he was there to be found. And that is what makes it all work for me. And that's what is the center of my life. And everything else flows from there. So I say those things. Even in our seminars, when people come, and you know, we have people of all kinds of different persuasions who work at Buffini Company. We have all kinds of different persuasions of people who come to our events and in our coaching and so on and so forth. But I always shared the biblical principles that started the company because it was a Sunday school class I was asked to teach after many years. And so I was asked to teach this class to the church I was in. And it's like, you became successful. Can you tell us how? 
and I shared with them seven principles. And the reason I share that stuff is because I always got to give credit where the stuff comes from. You know, what a jack wagon I would be if I, in my own arrogance, would say, I came up with this and I came up with that and this is my idea. And there's plenty of people do that. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing new under the sun. So for me, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And every day I try to start that way and then extend people that grace and then have that grace for everyone I come in contact with and remember where I came from and try to bring that to folks. And that's, to be honest with you, that's why I'm in the business we're in. There's a lot of easier ways to make a living than what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is an expression of that faith. So wasn't expecting that question, but there you go. wasn't expecting yeah. any of them. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we weren't expecting that answer either. Okay, so, there you go. I mean, how lucky are we that we get to be on the journey with you? So this was our first town hall meeting nice. with Brian Buffini. I'd like to thank our audience here and our Facebook audience and everyone who, who sent in their questions. Hope you guys enjoyed it today. Don't be afraid to share the show with others. And by the way, David Lag does a great job, doesn't he, by the way? Huh? He's the man. <laughs> He's the man. Where do we go from there? (laughs) (laughs) My mum. Yes. Don't be afraid to share the show with others and leave us a review on iTunes. And as I finish here today, I'll leave you with my favourite Dubliner, Brian's mum, Therese, for a little Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.